Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, everybody. This is Joel Redwanski, two guys and a mic. I got a lot going on here, and I needed 60 extra seconds, but I promise to make it up the rest of the 60 minutes. Joel Redwanski, two guys and a mic with David Olson, the coach, John Cohn, still on sabbatical, still in his house. But he's going to be listening extremely intently today because this is our baseball preview show, and folks, you know how much I love baseball. So I'm going to talk a lot of baseball. I'm also going to give you some health tips. So if, if you're somebody that has been thinking about starting a diet or, or getting into shape, i got about five minutes of great advice for you. And uh, news of the weird, seek and ye shall find, whatever coach wants to call it, is going to be short today. But the story I have is awfully, awfully good. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. It's pretty funny. Uh, David Olson, how are you doing over there? How are you doing? Uh, I'm hurting, but I'm hanging in there. Now, just to let you know, you have inspired me to give five minutes of this show to people who are out there trying to get into good shape. I mean, I am one of the most expensive personal trainers in the whole city of Chicago, $150 an hour. Last year, I made $300 as a personal trainer. Two different people paid me an hour of their time, and afterwards, they said it was the best hour they had ever spent. I said, you should listen to two guys in a mic sometime. And That's they said, outstanding. and they said, if you're not on, I'll be more than happy to listen. So I appreciate everybody who's listening now. Two guys and a mic, 888. That's 888 This is the big dog, Joel Redwanski, or as some people may know me as, as this year, man. Uh, but uh, this is a big day for me. I love our baseball preview uh, show. We do it pretty much every year. And I have to do this show quite honestly, normally when, when coach is out of town because coach has short, attention span and uh, when he's here we can't talk about a topic for more than two minutes before he moves on to another one but when it's me i have no problem talking baseball for about 40 45 minutes now uh just let everybody know we were talking yesterday how it just snuck up on me out of nowhere the fact that the baseball season actually started yesterday in tokyo and uh well, the, yesterday the Seattle Mariners won the first game of the season. Well, today the Oakland A's won the second game of the season. And uh, our guy, uh, Eunice Cispedes, uh, the guy that the A's spent basically $36 million over four years on, was the Cuban defector that everybody uh, was willing to take a chance on, depending on how much they wanted to pay for him. Uh, but he looks pretty good for the A's so far. Hit a jack today, a home run, so... uh the A's get their first win of the season, and surprisingly, you know, I, I try to stay on top of baseball. I, I really do, but you know how every year there's a little bit more movement, a little bit more movement than last year. I was surprised to see that Bartolo Colon was on the mound for the Oakland A's. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, aren't the A's trying to get younger, trying to build something for the future? I mean, if you sign Bartolo Colon into your organization. Aren't you like one of those teams that are trying to win a division and you need a fifth starter? Do you really give your second number overall spot to Bartolo Colon? 
Speaking of older players, I don't uh-huh. know if you caught this note this morning. The Blue Jays have signed 44-year-old Omar Vizquel. Wow. Wow. You know what, though? Omar Vizquel would be an awesome, awesome utility infielder for any team that is trying to win baseball games this year. Quite honestly, if you put Omar Vizquel on your ball club, a 44-year-old Omar Vizquel. Now, and don't forget that uh, there's also a 49-year-old Jamie Moyer still battling to, to make the Colorado Rockies. Okay. And so, I mean, that's 49, 44. You know, as a guy that's going to turn 40 in September, you know, I, I try to stay in, in pretty good shape. But I realize the, the athlete that I was at third, that I am now at 30 and compared to 29 is like half the athlete. And compared to 19, oh, my goodness. It's like I, I don't even know how I can walk around compared to what I was 20 years ago. So the idea of of me, a guy who literally tries to stay in shape year-round, and we're going to get into that later, so I'm just not talking out of my collective behind. I, I do have a collective behind. Uh, but you know, th- the idea that five years from now, if I would be capable enough to actually be athletic enough to play in the major leagues, Omar Vizquel, you know, you got to tip the hat to him, and and I don't care if somebody is saying, "Oh, he's just he's just uh, sticking around to try to get three thousand hits," and he's about 120 hits or so away. I I can check on uh, baseball-reference.com right now, but if you think what a career Omar Vizquel has had, and for the the Toronto Blue Jays, that would not be a bad signing for them because they got a bunch of really young uh, infielders on the Toronto Blue Jays, a bunch of young ones. And if you actually can have Omar Vizquel come in here, this is a guy who does everything right. As a diehard Cub fan, I would rather have Omar Omar Vizquel as a backup infielder than pretty much anybody they have because they have two infielders, Darwin Barney and Starlin Castro, who are learning how to play the game. And they have Omar Vizquel come in here who knows how to handle the bat, knows how to play all the positions. That's actually a, a really good signing for the Blue Jays. But the problem is when we, when we start doing the whole uh, – uh, the baseball predictions which I'm going to do here in a second. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are an extremely good team, and they would have a chance to win probably three divisions in baseball. But of those three divisions, they're not playing in any of those three. They're playing in the American League East and the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are awfully, awfully tough. And uh, I'm going to give you my prediction of uh, the order that I think those teams are going to finish here in a minute. But that's that's pretty cool. And for the old guys... And I think there could be something to be said for leadership and and a guy that if there's a runner at second and nobody out that you know that this guy's going to, when he comes up to the bat, realizes that he's supposed to put the ball on the right side of the infield, stuff like that, winning baseball. Omar Vizquel has always been a part of that. And I'm looking at Omar Vizquel's career stats, 2,841 career hits. He's 159 hits away. Now, last year, he had 42 hits. And that was playing for the Chicago White Sox. He had 95 the year before. He's 159 away. So basically, it's going to be awfully, awfully tough. He pretty much would have to be an everyday player this year, and I don't think that's going to happen for the Blue Jays. Or basically have half of the at-bats of a season for the next two years. So this this long shot of Omar Vizquel, Omar Vizquel hoping that uh, he would eventually be a 3,000-hit player, which if you think about it, if, if I would have told you back in 1995, Dave, that this light-hitting, unbelievable defensive shortstop would ever even come close to 3,000 hits? You wouldn't believe me, would you? There's just there's just no way. So it's kind of funny. They signed him, and I think that's actually a, a, a pretty good move. So 
when you're watching baseball, you always have to, you know, beware of like who's up, who's down. It was funny about eight days ago. I was uh, explaining to one of my buddies about how I really like the Cubs pickup of Travis Wood, a left-handed pitcher from the Cincinnati Reds, real young guy. And as soon as I said that, they were like, they're like, Joel, they just sent him down to the minors today. You know, so you got to be careful. You got you got to make sure you're you're on your game when you're talking baseball, especially in, in the middle of March. And I still like that move by the Cubs. I, I think that's going to end up working out for them. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. This is the big dog Joel Redwanski doing the doing our baseball preview of the 2012 season. And like I said later, we're going to get into a little news of the weird, and I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of advice on uh, common ways to basically get healthy. There's a lot of myths out there, a lot of stuff that people, you know, think that they're doing the right things when they're trying to either uh, diet or or get in shape or get healthy, and I'm going to debunk most of those myths. And, and I'm going to tell you this right now. Uh, if you, if you do need help, you can contact me at Jordanski at Facebook. I'd be more than happy to help you out with that and give you a, a little bit of advice. But the, the one thing that I want to tell everybody out there before when I get into that later is this. You'll never have to diet again if you listen to what I'm saying to you. If you just follow these practical advice, even if you're extremely obese to somebody who's in good shape and wants to get totally jacked, you'll never have to diet again if you actually listen to what I'm saying. So now... David, I was extremely, extremely excited to learn on Monday that the TalkZone.com music was not, we had specific music for the two guys in a mic, and it's the one that gets me jacked up every time I'm coming in here. Now, do we have any specific baseball preview music? I'm putting you on the, on the hot spot right now, and I'm assuming you, you will not, but is there any chance that we have baseball preview music? I mean, we got we spend millions and millions of dollars to produce this show and make it top notch. So I figure there's got to be something in the budget for baseball preview music. I have ringtones if you need them. I just we'll just have to go off air for a second. I'm sure everybody listening to the program won't mind right now. And it doesn't have to be the the this week in baseball music with Mel Allen in the background. If you know what I'm talking that that music growing up as a kid. Nothing got me more excited. Like, like honestly, everybody else, oh, did you see the new Star Wars movie? I was, like, I was watching This Week in Baseball. I, I, did you hear in Twib notes that Ozzie Smith won his fourth consecutive uh, gold glove? You know, I, that's how I was as a little kid. So, obviously, that we don't have the budget to play that music. But anything in there, anything, Dave, that, that's, that's rolling off. From, or should I just sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game? That always works. I, I can actually sing it much better than Ozzy Osbourne has sung it at, at Wrigley Field over the last couple of years. Charge. Charge. That's it. That's it. That's good enough. That's all I needed. The 2012 baseball predictions are here. Now, just to let you know if you're sitting here, who is this guy? What does he know about baseball? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Please listen, and you'll figure out whether or not I know anything about baseball. And I also want to throw this out. If you say, oh, that guy's an expert, or that guy's an analyst, and blah, 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 oh, that guy's on ABC, he's on ESPN, He's on MLB Network. Let me just remind everybody of this. Sports, baseball, football, basketball, it's not splitting the atom. And you can find absolutely incredible opinions on this sport, on the sport of baseball, whether you're on MLB Network, which I spend way too much time watching, whether you're listening to the ESPN whatever in your local station, watching ESPN Baseball tonight, or listening to the show 
to be quite honest, one of the most overrated things I, you know, I'll be talking baseball with somebody and they're like, well, who are you? And, and then I'll be like, oh, I, I wrote a baseball app. Oh, oh, so you understand baseball. What difference does that make? To be quite honest, I, I always crack up and, you know, coach my co-host who, who I love dearly. And, uh, I can't wait till he doesn't come back. Uh, no, I'm just joking about that coach. I miss you. Uh, have fun at your sabbatical in your house while you're getting your toes done tonight. Um, but he kind of makes, oh, we're a bunch of hacks. What's the difference? Is are these sports that difficult? To be quite honest with you, I, I've joined a on Facebook. One of my buddies got me involved into a discussion group. I've never been involved in one of these. It's just it's just called the dugout. You got to be invited to get into it. And I'm reading the quotes, and the these are just average people like us, David, like our listeners, like me, um, and the quotes that they're having and their in-depth knowledge of the game of baseball, it's better than anything that I've been reading on MLB Network or any of this stuff. So it, it cracks me up when I, I hear people be like, well, you know, I've got to get an expert analysis. Well, you gotta, you got to figure out uh, somebody has to tell you whether or not a, a pitcher should have been throwing strikes in that game in order to get people out or the fact that Alfonso Soriano only tries to hit a home run on every swing no matter the situation in the game. There's certain things that – that uh, I think are overblown, and I, I think how smart somebody is, and should you take their advice on sports is one of those things. So, uh, anyways, this is our baseball preview show, and I, I do want you to join us at 888-463-6748. Now, last year, 2011, one of the most phenomenal seasons in, in baseball history for, not for maybe record performances or anything like that, I'm talking about the absolute tension going through that happened all the way to the end of the season, and and I do recall being on these airwaves, and it was like, it was like late August, and uh, my co-host John Cohn was like, "Hey, you know, this is kind of weird. It seems like all the divisions are wrapped up, and the wild cards are wrapped up. This is one of those years where it doesn't seem like you know there's going to be a lot of tension in September, you know, coming down to the wire." Well, about two weeks later, all that changed. By September 10th, all the divisions were up for grabs. Some of the biggest chokes in the history of baseball happened that last last year. The way the Braves lost a wild card last year, oh my goodness, uh, unbelievably abysmal. The way the the St. Louis Cardinals, who were basically like eight or nine games out of playoff contention, they don't give up. They stick to it. They end up uh, becoming the wild card over the Braves, who just absolutely plummeted and choked. And and if you look at the other races, I mean, uh, the Cardinals pushed the pushed the Brewers a little bit in the National League Central, and then the, the Phillies and Braves, believe it or not, they ended up being ended up being kind of tight at the end, and then the National League West was was tight all the way to the end. And everybody knows the American League. Are you kidding me? The the Rays and the Red Sox, that was absolutely uh, phenomenal. The Angels pushed the the Rangers a little bit. That that really wasn't all that tense. And then and then the the American League Central is. Basically, everybody trying to get out of each each other's way last year, but there was some phenomenal races uh, till the end of the year. Now, hopefully, the new alignment that they had this year. Now, technically, it's not realignment that will happen next year, but with this year, just to remind everybody, there's still six divisions, uh, 14 teams in the American League, 16 teams in the National League, and, and uh, you know you got the six-team division of the National League Central, the four-team division of the the American League West. Everything else is five teams. Well, this year, Bud Selig has uh, uh, enacted the two wildcard team system. And I've complained many times over the last couple of weeks. I, I really don't like it. I don't like the idea that you could possibly have the team with the second and third best records in the whole game of baseball 
I mean, it's possible that this could happen, are playing a one-game playoff just to become that four team. Because uh, let's do the math here. you got the three division winners in each league and then the two wildcard teams in each league. So ten teams make the playoffs, five in each league. The two wildcard teams play one game. One is eliminated. You have four teams in each league then. And then you have the regular five, seven, seven in order for the series, like a five-game series, seven-game series, seven-game series. Now, I do like the fact that there's putting emphasis on winning divisions. My only fault is I think there's way too many divisions. Now, baseball obviously only has six, and you have other sports like football, eight divisions of four teams. Hey, we're the we're the NFC West champs. We beat out Arizona and Seattle and... Who else is in our division? You know what I mean? It's, that doesn't impress me that much, being division champs. I, I really wish baseball, if they were going to do a realignment, went to four divisions. That would be phenomenal if they did that. And then all of a sudden winning a division would actually mean something. But this year they're really risking, really risking losing everything that they had last year for the wild card races. But I, but I will, you have to admit this, no matter what, no matter what, even if it may be unfair, and it may be to the point where you lose some of the tension of who gets in the playoffs and who doesn't get in the playoffs like like last year, no matter what, you're going to automatically have two one-game, like game seven atmospheres every single year to become that fourth team that is that is in the playoffs. So the, the, the excitement fact, I can see it being there. Cause, and let's also admit – there's two wildcard teams. There's still, there still will be races for that second wildcard team. So it's not like we're never going to have any more races anymore. And maybe the fact that if you have a team that's a wildcard team that's insured of that, but also could have a chance at winning a division in the past, you'd be like, okay, let's cruise in. We got the wildcard. Why should we risk going for the division? Let's set up our pitching rotation. Teams won't do that anymore. Teams are going to be like, you know what? We need to win the division. So we don't have to risk being in a one-game playoff. So we're automatically in that round of where there's four teams in each league left. So there's still going to be excitement. Just don't expect what we had last year. It's going to be a whole new, whole new uh, realm of excitement. I'm definitely a baseball purist. There's no question about that. I can watch a three-to-two game with hit and runs, perfect relay throws, and be totally happy as opposed to watching like a 10-8 game or a bunch of home runs. I, I can see the beauty in the game. And I also am a traditionalist. I love the fact that you can compare Babe Ruth's 1921 season, which was his best season. It was better than 1927. You can go look that up. And, you know, compare Babe Ruth's 1921 season to Barry Bonds' 2001 season to what Matt Kemp did last year. And relatively, if you know the history of baseball, figure out who had a better year out of all that. That's that's awfully cool stuff to be able to do. But as a, as a baseball traditionalist, I have never fought the, the what has been implemented implemented in baseball. Now, I wasn't old enough to complain about the DH. I'm old enough now to say, hey, you know what? Let's keep it the way it is. Let's keep the American League with the DH, the National League without one. I like the fact that we have two choices in Major League Baseball. Let's, please, let's not change that. The National League, please don't go to a DH. I know other people may feel a little differently. And then other uh, implementations, like the divisions, when they when they went to that, to that in 1969. Before that, for the first... From 1903 to 1968, the American League and National League sent the pendant winning team, the first place team in their leagues, and these leagues have been anywhere from eight to ten teams deep. They just sent those teams automatically to the World Series. 
in 69, the playoffs started, <coughs> there were a lot of traditionalists saying, this isn't right, this isn't right. Well, after the playoffs in 1969, nobody had a problem anymore with the four divisions and the winners going there. Uh, and then eventually in, in 1994, don't forget the strike sorting year was supposed to be the first year of the three divisions in the wild card. Obviously that season didn't come to completion because, uh, because of the player strike. But in 1995, the whole wild card thing was implemented and, uh, you know, it just goes to show that in 1995, if, they actually had the old six team divisions in the National League. If the, the 73 and 71 1995 Chicago Cubs were still in the National League East, they would have made the playoffs. But because of the whole new realignment and wildcard, blah, 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 they ended up in the same division as the Astros. Astros had more wins than them. They didn't have as many, uh, wins as the Colorado Rockies and they were the wildcard. So another way it ends up, you know, doing the, the, you know what to the Cubs. But, you know, I've had no problem with this. So there's been a bunch of different changes in baseball. The wild card has been a bunch of expansion, putting teams in St. Pete, really. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that I've, I've just accepted. This one, I don't know if it's really the right thing for the game of baseball. And I, I do love the fact that you got that one game playoff, but it just does not seem fair. And to basically try to get more excitement in the game, and then actually sacrificing what is fair for the teams that are out there, I don't know if that's the right thing for the game of baseball. Okay, that's quite honestly how I feel. I'm extremely nervous going forward into this year as a diehard fan to, you know, to see what happens. And I know, I know there's going to be a really good team that gets, you know what, screwed by this, uh, by this, uh, one game playoff wildcard system and, Hopefully for the first time as me as a Cub fan, it, it'll be the Cubs that actually get an advantage out of this instead of getting the, the whole you-know-what. So, well, as we go into the baseball preview, so there's a reminder. If you if you were paying attention to everything I said, if you're one of the six division winners, you basically are in the round of eight. If you're not a division winner, but you're one of the wild card teams, you got that one-game playoff, and it's, it's pretty itchy. So winning divisions is extremely important. And when I start out about the divisions I'm going to go over here, if you look at the American League East, there are three possible playoff teams in that division, and, I, and I'm sure nobody is like completely shocked by that whatsoever. Uh, you got the Red Sox, you got the Rays, you got um, you got the the Yankees. So there are a lot of teams with the possibility of being really, really good in that division. But I, I'm going to have to pick the Red Sox in the American League East. Uh, the reason why is yeah, the Yankees are good, the Rays are good. But those two teams have a tremendous amount of holes. Now, the Yankees, Yankees have possibly one of the best number one starters in the game of baseball in CC Sabathia. It seems like every time he goes out for the Yankees, pitches at least eight innings, he gives up three runs, not two, not four, he gives up three every time, and the Yankees end up winning. It's a dominantly consistent, not, you know, not dominant performance, just dominantly consistent. Every time he goes out there, gives up a couple hits, gives up a couple runs, but not a lot. And his team ends up winning. But other than CeCe Sabathia, the rest of that rotation is not good. And people can say, well, they added Michael Pineda. Well, if you remember Michael Pineda in April and May and early June of last year, you're going to be like, wow, the Yankees got a steal. I remember the, the Michael Pineda, who's a fly ball pitcher, pitching in Safeco Park, one of the, the least homer-friendly parks in baseball, getting shelled in the second half. So the Yankees trade the number one prospect outside of Mike Trout of the of the Anaheim Angels. 
in baseball in Jesus Montero for a guy by the name of Michael Pineda, who, yes, he throws hard, but he's a fly ball pitcher in the most homer-friendly park in baseball. The Yankees pitching staff is not good. If you you have CC Sabathia, you have Mariano Rivera. The other starters and middle relievers in there are a massive, massive question mark. So, um, you know, Jubba Chamberlain got hurt. There's, there's a few guys in the middle relief that are going to be decent. But the Yankees are too old and overpaid to get it done. So I would not expect them to win. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays are the best athletes in all of baseball. They got people who can run the bases. They got people who make contact. They got a extreme good chance at American League MVP in Evan Longoria last year. Evan Longoria put up really good numbers last season, and it was his worst season in the major leagues, and the whole year he was hurt. So you got to figure that Evan Longoria has a really good chance at a bounce-back season. I expect the Rays to be a, a wild-card team, but I do not expect them to win that division for the simple fact that, what, was Jaso going to be their, their catcher? Who's going to play short for them? You know what I mean? They, they get no offense whatsoever out of their shortstop and catcher over the last two years. And uh, who's going to close games? I mean, every single year the, the, the Rays lose their closer, and they got to figure out who's going to close games for them. So even though they do have the best starting rotation in the division, not in the American League, that belongs to the Angels, uh, I, I really don't th- there's way too many holes for them. And then you got the Red Sox. Now, it's, it's, I've been reading everywhere, oh, the Red Sox, they're not getting along. They're not gelling with Bobby Valentine. There's a lot of friction. Well, you know, last year, they got along really well with uh, Terry Francona. I'm not sitting here to bash Terry Francona. He won two world championships. Sometimes, what's, what's the cliche, David Olson, I do believe, is the players needed a new voice. Well, with Tito Francona, Terry Francona, maybe that's what happened last year, but so it's funny, the last couple of days I've been seeing a lot of stories about how the, the Red Sox are already, the players are fed up with Bobby Valentine. Like there's grumblings in the clubhouse. Maybe that's what they needed because getting along with Terry Francona didn't work. And I really think that the Red Sox, who are the most talented team in the game of baseball throughout their roster, are going to have a really, really big bounce back season. So these players don't want to listen about the collapse anymore. You're going to have a hungry team for 162 games. The Red Sox, I expect to win the, the American League East. Now, uh, Daniel Bard, their middle reliever, who is now uh, starting for them, is going to be the major, major player in all this because uh, I expect Josh Beckett, John Lester, I expect these guys to have, have uh, extremely strong seasons for the Red Sox. It's whether or not Daniel Bard, who's one of their top prospects, who was a dominant middle reliever for them last year, can take that next step up. Now, they don't have uh, Jonathan Papelbon closing games for them, and uh, they 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 required uh, Andrew Bailey, who who's younger and I think a little bit better. But uh, closing games for the A's when nobody knows that you're even pitching out there, and you're closing games when the rest of America is asleep, and you're closing games for a team that's 20 games out of first place is completely different than closing for the Boston Red Sox, who right now there's more people watching the Boston Red Sox spring training game on television than Oakland A's fans who watched the game this morning against the Seattle Mariners. You figure that one out. That's no joke. Okay. The pressure that he's going to be under is totally different. Uh, the Red Sox fans might be like, wow, Papelbon was a lot better than we thought. I think that's one of the biggest questions. If Andrew Bailey can be a big closer for the Red Sox, they'll win that division. Now, uh, don't, don't, don't forget Bobby Jenks. They got Bobby Jenks. Oh, they got, they got Bobby, the hammer. Bobby Jenks, uh, in 2005 to early 2006, 
best right-handed curveball in the game of baseball. For, for, for the year and a half, he'd throw that 96 mile an hour cheese, which looked like 196 mile an hour when he would break off that hammer. Maybe he has a little magic left in his arm. You never know. With, with a reliever, you can get that. You know when a, when a starting pitcher's washed up because all the innings and like, okay, this guy's done. Every once in a while, you can get those, uh, especially the big fat guys. You know, they might have something a little bit left that you didn't expect. And I, I, maybe Bobby Jenks can do that. And they're going to need him to replace Daniel Bard if they're going to contend in the, the American League East. I, I'm assuming they will. So uh, the fourth place team is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays. And Toronto, you're not going to like it when I say this, but you're the best fourth place team in baseball. I don't know what that means. It's like it's like being a plus-size model. It's like being like a, a good defensive left fielder. I'm not exactly sure what it means to be the best fourth-place team in baseball, but you're not getting one of the wild-card slots. And basically, you're going to be looking up at Tampa, Boston, and New York the whole entire season. But the Blue Jays have an extremely strong team. They do. They have a lot of young talent. Uh, added Omar Vizquel might be able to, to help all these guys. And uh, they also have probably the hardest-throwing Pitcher in the game of baseball with the most potential, Brandon Murrow, who uh, has not really had a lot of chances, but he has a chance this year to shock everybody and contend for a Cy Young, or maybe he's going to get blown up and, and never put it together. But I have a tendency, I am starting to think Brandon Morrow is going to take that next step. Now, the last team in the, the American League East, and as somebody who grew up in the 70s and 80s, the fact that the Baltimore Orioles have been this bad for so long, it's shocking to me. But it's not really shocking. Uh, just throwing it out there, Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot again. It's going to throw a trivia question out there. It's an easy one. Do you know who the, the president of baseball operations is for the Baltimore Orioles? It's Cal Ripken, isn't it? Oh, no, no, no. He's, he's, like, he's like the ambassador for them. They pay him like $100,000 a year or five hundred to walk around the stadium and shake hands. It's uh, Andy McPhail. You you know what organization? That's right. That's you, right from the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, yes. you, you remember? Yeah, the organization that one of Andy McPhail's biggest failures as the Chicago Cub. Uh, he, well, he was the GM and then president of baseball operations. He handed the GM over to uh, duties over to uh, Ed Lynch after like a year. But the fact that he would continue to hold on to players for years that were never going to pan out. Corey Patterson. Corey Patterson could have been traded for Johnny Damon in 2001. The Cubs were a leadoff hitter away from winning the division in, in 2001. They don't trade for him. There's numerous players like that. And, and if you don't believe me, he does this. As soon as Andy McPhail went to, went to Baltimore, he started trading with the Cubs, and he got players like Patterson, Felix P.A., a couple other Cubs that were never going to be anything. This guy just does not learn his lesson. They have a left-handed pitcher named Brian uh, uh, Mattis. He had the worst ERA in the history of Major League Baseball for any pitcher that threw had at least 10 starts. He's penciled in as their number two starter this year. He's never pitched well in the Major Leagues except for a short stint two years ago. But they're willing to put this guy as their number two starter? McPhail has to learn every once in a while, hey, I was wrong about this guy. we got to get rid of him. He refuses to admit he makes a mistake. Now you have the Baltimore Orioles, one of the great organizations in baseball, who are going to be absolutely horrible again this year. And 
And, uh, you know, it's funny. The Orioles have love from their fans. Their fans love this team. If you look at Camden Yards, it's not selling out, and they don't attend like they used to. But that only happened like two or three years ago. There was 10 years where the Orioles did nothing, and yet the fans kept coming out to that ballpark, Camden Yards. So if there's a, a fandom that deserves a little bit better treatment from their organization, it's definitely the, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I, I will tell you this, though. Uh, Adam Jones, their center fielder, him and Andrew McCutcheon, two of the most underrated center fielders in the game of baseball, gold glove caliber, going to hit 280, 20 homers, 20 steals, just a quality guy that you'd want on your team. And uh, another guy, Nick Markakis, he's never made the all-star team, yet every single year he hits 300 with 20 homers, 20 stolen bases, and plays a a strong right field. So the Orioles, uh, let me tell you this, you're, you're the best fifth place team in the game of baseball. And I know that doesn't help whatsoever. Now, now we uh, go to the Midwest and we start with the American League Central uh, uh, division. Let me just flat out say this. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. It is the worst division in baseball. And I know I'm a die- everybody knows I'm a diehard Cub fan that listens to the program uh, consistently. So you might think, oh, I'm sitting here bashing the White Sox or because I'm a Cub fan. I won't do that. I-, I will never, ever do that. I can look at a team objectively and tell you whether or not they're going to be good or bad. Trust me. If you listen to this program, how many times have I told you the Cubs stink on this on this show? I'd be more than happy to tell you that. And I've predicted the Cubs to win. Uh, matter of fact, in 05, I predicted them to win the American League. I pulled that one out of my butt. I didn't think they'd end up winning the World Series that year. Okay, but looking at the White Sox this year, I'm predicting them for last place in the American League Central. Never in my entire life have I seen a worse White Sox team going into April as I do right now this year. David Olson, you're a diehard White Sox fan. Could you just give me your opinion as a as a White Sox fan on March 29th, 2012? What, what's your prospects for this year? Uh, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a 500 season would be a success. Okay, okay, that's 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 quite all right. And as a Cub fan, a successful season for me is the Cubs can trade Dempster, Soriano, Marlon Bird. Everybody that's not part of the future, it's funny, like what, that's what I'm thinking. A successful season for the Cubs is Castro and Barney and the young guys play well. I don't even care what the record is and they can unload all these guys that they don't need for future prospects. So it's, it's, it's I kind of agree with you. The White yeah. Sox- I mean, I, I, but I'm coming from the perspective of a White Sox fan saying they, you know, they should have gone clean slate. Mm-hmm. Ozzy should have gone. Williams should have been gone. Yes. Yes. I agree. You know, without question. But I mean, that's, that's kind of the ongoing problem with, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. If somebody shows mm-hmm. loyalty to him, he's going to show him loyalty right back to him. Yes. For as long as it takes. And I mean, you look at the, you know, we were, you were just talking about Andy McPhail and his mistakes. I mean, look at the list mm-hmm. of Kenny Williams' mistakes. Yeah, but, but if you, if you think about the roster he assembled in 05, nobody, would have predicted that as a world champion. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It just, it just, it, it just, the team gelled. Everybody had a role. Everybody filled that role. I mean, you, you, you look at some, I mean, you, 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 Pesednik, you're Aaron Rowans, the guys like that uh-huh. stepping up and doing what needed to be done at the right time is what made them so successful. Now, typically in all, in all cities, especially Chicago, if you win a World Series championship, a GM gets a pass. It's seven years later, so you, you don't get a pass anymore. But if you really consider the way that, that, uh, the 2005 team was set up, 
I think Kenny Williams should get a lot less of a pass than pretty much any other GM. It's not like it was loaded with all these uh, Chicago White Sox prospects and, oh, they, they got a player here and a player here. and Quite frankly, that team didn't have a lot of Chicago White Sox uh, like farm system players on it. And, and I'm not saying this out of like hatred or spite, but they got really lucky that year. And everybody had a career year. Uh, Paul Konerko didn't. Paul Konerko is a fabulous player, and he's as good as uh, they. He was acquired before Kenny Williams got here. He kept him over there. And what Paul Konerko what hit 295 with 35 home runs and 120 drove in like he does every single season. But if Tadahito Aguchi never had a year like that again. Scott Pasednik only has one other year like he ever had in, in 05. Aaron Rowan. Defensively, always the same. That was his only really good offensive season. Joe Creedy. Uh, Creedy and Rowan, Chicago prospect guys, but Joe Creedy had one season in the major leagues. Okay, Carl Everett. Don't forget him. He was on that team. Now, he had a bunch of good years before, had one last good year with the with the White Sox right there. And I'm going to put A.J. Pruszynski in the – he's always consistent. He, you know, He's going to be very little power. Good situational hitter, great with the pitchers. I don't, and the people, the pitchers in him are always contentious. Then how come every pitching staff he's ever been on is good? There, there's something to be to be said about that. So when I look about that old team, Kenny Williams no longer has the hall pass anymore. And, and maybe that sounds crazy. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on him because he did build a team that won a World Series title. But to me, it was just like he rolled the dice and it came up. That was a seven. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just. That's just kind of, it wasn't like your typical way you would build an organization. And let's just face it right now. The White Sox are old and slow. Adam Dunn, worst season ever in his career. Alex Rios, worst season ever in his career. And they did not go any younger. So, you know, it, it's one way, if you, if you're a team and you love, I mean, if you're a fan and you love your team, you can deal losing with a bunch of young players and seeing, seeing guys that you're going to be rooting for in the future. To go into a season and have to deal with the fact that Adam Dunn and Alex Rios are in your lineup, that's bad. That's really bad. But then again, we say this. Those guys have been productive productive major league players for Adam Dunn every single year of his career besides last year, Alex Rios every single year besides that last year and two years ago. So they could bounce back. And if they bounce back, Maybe they can contend for a wild card, but they have no chance at the, at the division. I'm going to tell you, the Twins are going to be a lot better than they were last year because I expect Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau to have extreme bounce-back seasons after the horrible years they had last year. And uh, Scott Baker, I'm going to throw this out. So the Twins, I think, are going to finish above them. I finished, uh, I'm picking them for third. Their pitcher, Scott Baker, is going to contend for the American League Cy Young Award. Watch it. Scott Baker, if, you have a fantasy, if you're in a fantasy team, Draft him around like the tenth round, maybe later, maybe later. But he's uh, definitely going to be a great pitcher this year. Uh, I look at the Indians; they're going to be a little better than the White Sox. But what the Indians are dealing with is they have a ridiculous amount uh, of injuries again. Grady Sizemore out for the year, Hafner out, but they've got a lot of young talent. And then the other two teams, the Royals, are going to finish in second place in the American League Central. Their lineup, folks, is really, really good. And unlike the White Sox, where everybody's over thirty. Everybody's under 26 in the Royals lineup. Mike Muskakis, Eric Hosmer. If you haven't seen Eric Hosmer play, guys, you know, when, if you're doing your fantasy draft, 
first basemen's go really quick. If all of a sudden the run goes on first baseman and you don't get yourself an Adrian Gonzalez, a, a Prince Fielder, a blah, 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 just lay in the weeds, go get your second and baseman, your shortstops and all that stuff, go get yourself an Eric Hosmer late in the draft. He's going to hit 300 with 30 home runs this season. And people are going to be like, who? Who's your first baseman? Well, when you got Robbie Cano and Troy Tulowitzki up the middle and you get uh, Eric Hosmer in like the 15th round, you'll be the one sitting pretty. Now, the best team in the National, uh, in the American League Central, and to be honest with you, I, I would put their percentage of winning the division this year, the Detroit Tigers, at 85%. I know there's five teams in there. At 85%, people, if, if Justin Verlander, Prince Fielder and Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera are healthy for 150 of the games this year. I cannot see the Tigers not winning at least 88 games, and that's all it's going to take to win this division. Because I cannot imagine the Royals, great lineup, no pitching. The Indians, way too many injuries. The uh, the White Sox, I, I or the Twins, I just they just don't have enough firepower. The Tigers should cruise to this particular division championship. The Tigers have one of those chances. Uh, to just have like a ridiculous lineup and a great starting staff. Not only Justin uh, Verlander, don't forget they got Doug Fister, who was phenomenal after the trade from Seattle to uh, uh, to the Detroit Tigers last year. The Tigers are going to win this division. I don't think there there should be any issue. They got uh, Papa Grande, the big potato, Jose Valverde closing games at the end. The only way that the Tigers don't win this division is one of two or both of these. Number one, lots of injuries to their their, their key players. You, there's really nothing you can do about that. If you know if Cecil Fielder's vegetarian diet makes his joints go bad really quick, it's gonna be too fat to play. And if their defense is so horrid that they they can't keep up with it, because out of the five teams in the American League Central, they have the best pitching staff, they have the best relievers, they have the best offense. Out of the five teams, they have by far the worst defense. And I've always been a pitching and defense kind of guy. I'm thinking in this division with the four-week teams, it won't matter that they don't catch the ball that well. But when they get into the playoffs, they better hope Justin Verlander pitches for three games of the series and he doesn't allow anybody to hit the ball and they get a lucky win out of the other ones because their defense is awfully, awfully bad. Detroit Tigers will win the American League Central this year in 2012. Now, the American League West, you know, I talked about the the, the previous divisions. you got the, the American League East. Totally top-heavy, and then the Blue Jays, an up-and-coming team, and the Orioles uh, laying in the wastelands of baseball. Then you got like the, a bunch of teams that are young and and promising in the American League Central, except for the White Sox, who they really have to get their act together, and the great team of the Tigers. Well, the American League West, you're either contending for the division in a wild card and the World Series, or you're one of the worst teams in baseball. The Rangers went to the World Series the last two years. They've added you Darvish. They've got an extremely strong lineup. They got a lot of guys who can catch the ball. And the <clears throat> excuse me, the Rangers lineup is great for the simple fact that they have a bunch of power. And they also have guys that can line drive you to death and first and third you all day long. So they have both types of uh both types of offenses. Either, you know, they can beat you ten to eight, and then the next day. You know, Michael Young will line a double into the gap, and uh, next thing you know, Josh Hamilton just gets a line drive single, and they beat you three to two. The Rangers have an extremely productive offensive lineup. You Darvish, better than I thought that the Rangers are going to be awfully tough to beat in the American League West, and they're going to be battling against the Anaheim Angels, 
who had the best, who have the best starting staff in the American League. You're talking guys like Jared Weaver, very strong case for a, a American League Cy Young Award this year. Uh, Irvin Santana pitching a no hitter last year. He's a little bit of an up and down guy, but his ups are phenomenal. Okay, uh, extremely strong staff. Uh, but add in Albert Pujols really, truly helps this offense to the upteenth degree. And I, and I can't even say, the Angels have had a very difficult time scoring runs the last couple of years. They've been a team that has manufactured them. You throw Albert Pujols in the middle of that lineup, exponentially, everybody else gets better. And don't forget this, there was a guy by the name of Kendry Morales. Now, in the 2010 season, uh, uh, I believe it was like in the middle of July or something, he hit a, a walk-off home run, might even been a walk-off grand slam. And as he came down on home plate, he broke his leg. And uh, basically, I remember going into last year, oh, he'll be ready to play by opening day. He didn't play all season. And, and near the end of last season, he was he was ready to play, but the Angels were like, you know what, just we'll hold you off until next year. Kendrick Morales is, Morales is a 300 hitter, 30 homers, 100 RBI guy. He's going to be DHing this year for the Anaheim Angels. So not only do they add Albert Pujols from last year's pretty good offensive team, you get Kendrick Morales also back into the lineup. So the Torrey Hunters, the Mike Trouts of the world, uh, it's going to be a pretty decent team. Howie Kendrick is actually a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good hitter for the Anaheim Angels. That's got a real good team. The Angels are a legitimate World Series contender, them and the Rangers. Now, I talked about the M's yesterday. I don't want to sit there and pile on, but the M's and the A's, yes, you're playing out in Tokyo, but basically your season is already done. The A's were mathematically eliminated yesterday as soon as I found out that Brandon McCarthy was their number one starter. And uh, basically I've come to the conclusion the only reason they signed Bartolo Colon, David, only reason is this. On July 31st, he's going to be traded for young prospects to the to the Yankees who are going to need another starter because at that point they're going to realize they only have CeCe Sabathia, Ivan Nova and a bunch of guys they've paid way too much money to be absolutely abysmal. So that's sometimes you pick somebody up to trade them, and and that's exactly what I think is going to happen uh, this year with Bartolo Colon and the and the Oakland A's. So, well, th- that American League preview went way longer than I thought it was going to be, David, because I still have news of the weird, the National League, and also I got to give a little health and fitness tips. So, um, should I stick to the National League till tomorrow? The National League. I, I think we can hold off and do half the yeah. show on that and then uh, preview the Final Four if you want. For all of you that are sitting around waiting to find out what the St. Louis Cardinals and the, and the Washington Naturals were going to do, you're going to have to wait until tomorrow. I, I really I, I apologize greatly for that. 888-463-6748. When it comes to baseball, sometimes I get extremely long-winded. Uh, but my just to repeat it, the American League, I expect the Red Sox, the Tigers, and the Rangers – to be division winners. And I expect the Rays and the Angels to be that wild card team in a one game playoff. And I expect the Yankees to be in contention all year long. But the fact that they basically have one number one starter and a real good number two starter, CeCe Sabathia and Ivanova, will be way too much for the Yankees. And to be honest with you, I do not expect their seven position players over the age of 30 to all play 150 games this year. So. The Yankees, are, for the first time, I really truly believe are underdogs in the American League East, and they're they're going to be looking up at people. 888-463-6748. Uh, I'm going to end the show with a little uh, with a little advice on on how to 
beat the miss about dieting and getting into shape. So that would be in about a minute or two. I just wanted to share a story with uh, with you guys. Now, there's different ways to get out of work or get paid for stuff. And uh, I was uh, talking to an extremely close friend of mine yesterday whose family owns a restaurant. She was basically telling me that, oh, on the 30th, they have to have extra people at her restaurant because – so many people with government checks come in and spend all the rest of their money because they know on the first that they're getting uh, a second uh, a second check and it's kind of like shook my head and be like wow that'd be a that'd be a difficult way to live but you know sometimes it happens and people are always trying to get like there's people with unemployment now or free, uh, uh or with disability matter of fact she t- she told me about how a guy comes into the her restaurant's like hey I got disability because I can't move my fingers and the guy laughs about it and he's getting a government check every two weeks because he's got disability and can't work. Well, there's a guy in Austria. So this just doesn't happen in the United States. There's a guy in Austria. He's a 56-year-old man, and he was just sick of work in his, his whole life, and he's been collecting disability. Well, in Austria, they make surprise visits to people's homes who supposedly you know, are, are, are uh, disabled and collecting money from the government. Well, uh, he gets a knock on the door, realizes it's somebody there to check on to see if he's really disabled. So what he decides to do is take an electric saw and cut off his left foot and then throw it into the furnace, answers the door, and was like, look, I'm disabled. They were able to figure out it was a fresh cut. They were able to figure out what it is. He's not no longer going to get any disability from the Austrian government. But if you're that lazy... That you'd rather cut off your foot to get a free paycheck rather than work? I, I hope they cut off his testicles because guys like that should not be procreating. Oh my goodness. I've been, I've wanted to get out of work before and I'm allergic to bismuth. And if I eat it, my tongue turns black. And I didn't want to get out of work just so I didn't work that day. I wanted to get out of work to like go to a football game or go to a cub game. This guy cut off his foot. What is the worst thing you've ever done to get out of work, David? Honestly, whether it be if you were, I don't know if you've ever been unemployed and you got to convince like some person that you're trying to get jobs or whatever. What is the, like you look back and be like, I can't, I I believe I did that in order just to get out of work. Please tell me it was like you acted sick with your mom so you didn't have to do chores around the house. That's like as bad as it's been. I can't honestly think of anything off the top of my head. Okay. Cut off a foot? Yeah, no way. No way. the cut off a foot is the only thing that would make me cut any part of my body off is like it's either you or your kids. Okay, cut mine off. Other than what else? <laughs> There's no money in the world. Five hundred million dollars for a jackpot in uh, that I would still would not give that up for any appendage, any appendage on my body. I'm not kidding you. That's uh, it's one of the most dumbfounding stories that I've ever heard. Obviously, this 56 year old Austrian man. And by the way, his name is Hans Earl. Pretty much that pretty much uh, sums it up. Doesn't have any respect for his body. Now, if you have respect for your body, you've been listening to this show this whole time, and you probably should have been calling 888-463-6748. I'm going to debunk a couple myths. Now, I've been getting a lot of emails recently from people that are asking me questions. Hey, Joel, what should I do? Should I do this, do that? Well, I'm going to just... If you're listening to this program and you do want to get in shape, I want to remind you something. You never need to diet again. Okay, you really don't. There are certain things that you can do every single day that if you do this, 
you're going to be a lot healthier. You'll have more energy. You'll lose weight. You'll uh, be healthier. You'll live longer. All kinds of stuff. Uh, first and foremost, the thing I want to want to tell people is you got to eat all day long. You really do have to eat all day long, and it's going to take a little time. You might have to prepare your own food. I want people to eat whole foods, not processed foods, not packaged foods. And first and foremost, the thing you do every single morning is eat a huge breakfast. If you want to lose weight, you eat more calories at your breakfast meal than you do at any other time of the day. There's been many different studies done on this, and as a matter of fact, uh, the, the, the U.S. FDA just did one recently uh, on the fact that if you, you know, you, you, uh, Health and Human Services did this, if you have 2,000 calories in a day, the people that had the highest amount of calories in the morning and cut it down throughout the day, all of them lost a significant amount of weight, and it was a large percentage of fat, by the way, people. Losing weight is one thing, but you want to make sure that the weight you lose is fat. Okay, it isn't how much you weigh, it's what your body fat percentage is. Always remember that. And that's and that's the meal where you want to go, if you want to go crazy with carbs, do it at breakfast. Or fat. Or fat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, and uh, so that's just something, honestly, that you, you really have to consider is the more you eat, the bigger your breakfast is, the better your body will function the rest of the day. They also had people, they had a bunch of different uh, group things. Same people, same metabolism type, all this stuff. They didn't eat anything until the end of the day. So they starved themselves to like 5 o'clock, then they ate their 2,000 calories between 5 and 9. All of those people gained weight. All of them got sick. They, they, they felt they complained of almost getting sick. None of them had energy. And again, like, I want to repeat this. All of them gained weight, and their body fat percentage like skyrocketed. So basically they were burning muscle the whole day and their body was storing uh, storing stuff. So if you're trying to lose weight and you're like, well, I'll skip breakfast, you have thoroughly and totally messed up on everything that, that you've done. What you need to do, you want to start losing weight, wake up a half hour earlier, cook your breakfast, make your lunch, make it with whole foods and not packaged stuff. That original thing will help you extremely. So I just want to repeat this, everybody. If you're out there trying to lose weight, you must eat breakfast. Otherwise, you're making yourself fat, okay? You're making it worse by skipping breakfast. Do not do that. If you're going to skip a meal, skip your dinner. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And, and another thing that I, I, I want to reiterate to this, I want to give out, like, helpful hints all the time on here. Fat has gotten a real, real bad name in terms of people trying to lose weight. Oh, just knock out all your fat and you'll be okay. This is the exact opposite of an example I'm going to give you, but just I want you to bear with me here. When you are swimming, the last part of your body that your body will burn for energy is the fat you have on it because your body knows you're in water. And the fat layer that you have on the outside makes you more buoyant. So your body knows not to burn fat while you're swimming. I can say, well, Michael Phelps is totally skinny. He works out all freaking day long. He's always been skinny. And when you swim, you're burning calories, so it's hard to add fat. Okay. <clears throat> so the point is, I want you to think of this. If you decide, oh, I want to lose weight and, and, and lose fat, so I'm not going to eat any more fat. Well, if your body isn't taking in fat, your body knows this and knows not to burn any fat on your body. Do you see where I'm getting at? But if you're eating fat, your body knows, oh, you know what? 
I'm intaking fat, I could burn the fat that I'm storing. One of the great things that people do is they tend to, they have a tendency, oh, I'm going to try to lose weight, and they buy fat-free products. One of two things, remember this. Those fat-free products, if you look at the packaging, there's one of three things I should say. There's either a lot of sugar added, and there is going to be a lot of sugar added, or there's going to be a bunch of chemicals added, or number three, both. Just get yourself regular whole foods and eat them like you normally would. Do If you put a bunch of chemicals in your body, you're more likely to, your body won't function as well. Your body's trying to deal with all of the, the different chemicals in your body than they are actually burning fat. So if you want to burn fat, you got to find out what the good fats are. Digest those. Do not get them out of your body. Monounsaturated fats is exactly what you want. I will admit, you want to stay away from the saturated fats, like did you get in the like the beefs and, and, and all that, but not all saturated fats are bad. So if you are trying to lose weight, eat breakfast, eat natural foods, and don't be afraid to eat fat because the only way your body burns fat is if you're actually ingesting it. As a matter of fact, there's something called a medium-chain triglyceride. It's a type of saturated fat. You can find these fats in cheese and dairy, all those products. It's a water-soluble fat. You drink whole milk, you get that fat into your system. It's water-soluble. It breaks down automatically, and your body burns that for energy. Now, all of a sudden, your body's like, oh, we're burning fat for energy. Well, guess what? You know what it does right after that? After it burns up that whole milk fat, it goes right to the fat on your body. So I'm just letting you people know, eat big breakfast. Don't be afraid of fat if you want to lose weight. I think that's the music. That means we're done, everybody. I appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back tomorrow for our National League baseball preview. We're going to have more news of the weird. David Olson, you did a phenomenal job on the other side of the glass. This is Joel Radwanski, the big dog. The coach is still in Chicago. We don't know where he's at, but we do know next Monday he'll be here. Tomorrow he won't be. You should be. 888-463-6748. Think of a question. See you tomorrow. Two guys in a mic. Thanks, David Olson.